dismissed to Redemption Kids. Uh, they're going to have a great time there, and we're going to open up God's Word to the book of Matthew chapter 5. So we'll be chapter 5, verse uh, 31 is where we'll start today, and uh, just want to give an immediate encouragement. As we, uh, as we heard Mike's story, um, yo, if you're new to Redemption Hill, sometimes I just say it straight up, you know what I'm saying? So if you're new, welcome, and now you're just going to get straight up Tanner, all right? So um, if you're not moved by Mike's story, like I'm concerned about your pulse, you know what I'm saying? Like, and so I just want to, I just don't want us to rush past that. Just maybe we should even pray again. Just, what's our next step? It's just like taking that simple card. And like I know sometimes we think, will our prayers matter? Will it matter for that child? If, if prayer is real, it will matter. Maybe, maybe you need to go to the lunch and just learn. Maybe God's not leading you down. Maybe he is. Maybe he will. How can we support? How can we come alongside the families, the Chasting family, adopting again another little girl from China very, very soon? How can you pray for them? How can you support them? How can you give up a cup of coffee to just finish the deal on their family needs, you know, as they adopt? It's not cheap to adopt internationally or usually nationally either. Foster parents within our church, not an easy job, but such a worthy calling and assignment. God, would you lead us, Lord, just to be more active in showing mercy? God, we want more stories, Lord, and just... Even trusting in your plan and purposes, God, that, that there would be another, another man, another woman who could stand up one day and say, someone made a decision to love. In light of your great love, God, how could we not love those in need? Help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so as we uh, start this morning in Matthew uh, chapter 5, verse 31, uh, just to catch you up to speed if you're, if you're new here, um, we've been, uh, the last several weeks we've been in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, okay? It starts in chapter 5. Yes, I almost fell off the stage. I'm just... Pray for me today, you know. Hey, I just preached a retreat. I've been preaching all weekend. And so just pray for me, all right? <laughs> so uh, Jesus has, has introduced to us like what real Christianity is about. Okay, like, like not, the, not the version that we could like create in our minds or like we could kind of take his ideas and put our ideas beside it or on top of it and, you know, just kind of make it be what we want it to be, but he's talking about the real thing. He's talking about what life looks like in the kingdom of God. He, he says that if you want to enter the kingdom of God, if you want to be a part of this, this kingdom of heaven, then uh, you need to humble yourself and to be poor in spirit. So like uh, beginning a relationship with God, as we talked about last week, even with this, this, these realities of, that we battle against, right? Almost every day, anger, lust. He says, look, you need to humble yourself. You need to be poor in spirit and you need to touch the ground. Do you remember this last week? And ask God to help you. Ask God to, to, to forgive you. Ask God to save you. Ask God to continue to change you to, to be the person that he created you to be. 
And so as we continue on this week, we're going to hear his, his reflection on a very weighty topic. And just another thing, if you're new about Rede- to Redemption Hill, like we don't like skip, skip passages in the Bible because they're kind of difficult to think through or difficult to talk about. We just try to treat the Bible very fairly and let it speak for itself. And so today we're, we're going to look at the, the, the topic of div- marriage and divorce. And not just that, not just that, that relationship between a man and a woman in marriage, but also Jesus will go on to talk about our words in any and every relationship in the next passage. And so I want us to get us thinking about this idea uh, through just the imagery that we see every day in God's creation. Like, I love the wisdom of God, you know, like God just, he just really helps us out. He knows how much help we need. Can I get an Amen. This morning, come on. And, and so he helps us out. And he builds in these reminders of who he is everywhere we turn. And so just a little something about I don't think I've ever, in all my, you know, probably 400 sermons at Redemption, I don't think I've ever shared this. But, um, and even as, I'm just going to be transparent and vulnerable. Like, even as a man, I, like, even just hesitate to say it a little bit, all right? Uh, and you're like, what is he about to say? This is getting weird. Um, so in college, it's not too weird. In college, in fact, hopefully, like, it resonates with men and women. Uh, in college, I just was, like, you know, traveling in different places, helping out. I was a youth intern. Uh, before I became a church planner of Redemption Hill, I was a professional intern. I just really was. I mean, it's like, it's, it's funny, but, like, for, Four years as a youth intern in our youth ministry at church, and then six years as the intern to the president of our seminary. And so just 10 years of professional interning. You know, I got really good at it by year nine and 10. Um, so, um, but anyway, back in college, uh, I had the privilege because we were going on these retreats. Hey, Trent, shout out intern, Reslink intern at Redemption Hill. Um, yo, Trent, we're not going to put you on the 10-year track, though. That's not the dream, all right? Uh, so, so uh, got to travel around in different parts of the country and, and, and uh, Maine and Utah and uh, even, you know, vacation in Florida. Fam. So what I begin to really appreciate and, and even pull out my disposable camera. You're talking about cameras. It's camera day. Click, click, click. Anybody remember these cameras? Click, 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 click. Do they still exist? Okay. Go buy one. They're fun. Uh, and so I would take pictures of sunsets. Was it only the women that said, oh, see, see? Men, it's okay to enjoy sunsets. Especially if you got, you know, that, that lady friend beside you, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, that's related in the sermon. So, um, <laughs> uh, not that I, I guess, anyway, I'm going to stop right there. Uh, so I just really appreciate just the beauty, right? And we even see these just light up the sky and the clouds and the colors and captures the imagination and, and our vision. And, but, but, but then later in life, later in life, still growing in my appreciation of not just sunsets, but sun rises. Did anyone wake up? to watch the sunrise this morning. Anyone wake up? Okay, like, wait, time out. Where, this is not a question, were you up that early? <laughs> Did you wake up to see the sunrise? Anybody? I'm just curious. All right, come on. That, hey, amazing. All right, let's learn from you. Yeah. 
Who was just up early enough to see the sunrise? 6.29 a.m. All right, proud of you. That's when I was waking up. I got in at 12.30 last night, so I didn't get up as early as most Sunday mornings. Um, so so, so, so here's, the, here's the deal about sunrises that, that you need to learn, okay? For those who missed it, guess what? You can wake up tomorrow morning, and if you are out the door by 629, you can see that 630 sunrise. But then for those who miss it on Monday, you can wake up on Tuesday, and you can see the sunrise at 631 a.m. Wednesday, 632. Thursday, 633. Friday, 634. Saturday, 635. And God has built into his creation reminders of who he is. In Hosea chapter 6, there's this exhortation to the people of Israel who were being very, very faithless to God. Had just turned their back on God and gone a different direction. And yet, God is calling them back to himself, saying, come back to me. Let's get to know one another again. And he says in verse 3, come, let us return to the Lord. The prophet Hosea, come, let us return to the Lord. Let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. His going out is as sure as the dawn. God's going out is as sure as the dawn. God's faithfulness to his people is just like that sunrise, that tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. You can count on it happening. This is a picture of God's love and God's faithfulness. I love what the Catholic theologian Thomas Merton said when he said, everywhere I go, I see you. Everywhere I go, I see you, God. I see you in the rain falling. I see you in a baby smile. I see you as the sun rises. Everywhere I go, I see you. And so when it comes to the topic of marriage in any human relationship, the encouragement for us is to reflect the faithfulness of God by making our word as sure as the dawn. Reflect the faithfulness of God by making your word as sure as the dawn. I want to read these verses for us, and then we're going to break them down together. So starting in verse 31 of Matthew chapter 5, these are the words of Jesus. He says this. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. 
But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say simply be yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Jesus continues helping the crowd that was gathering around him on this mountain, specifically his disciples, who he said, hey, come over here, and I want to teach you what it means to follow me. That's what the Sermon on the Mount is all about. So if, you'd like, if you walk away today, and you're like, man, I've got an ethical code of behavior that, that can like tidy up my life, okay, then you've missed the point. Because the point of the Sermon on the Mount is about a relationship with Jesus Christ, the very God who made us and offers salvation to us. And if you haven't gotten in on that salvation yet by saying, like, yes to Jesus and what he's done for you, then I'm just saying, why not today? But this invitation to follow him, and he says that it starts, as I said earlier, with being poor in spirit and actually mourning over our personal sin and the sin around us, like to begin to have God's heart, to see the world like God sees it. And he, and he says, like, if, when, you, when you do this, when you humble yourself and when you're meek toward others and when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, when you're merciful, when you're pure in heart, when you're a peacemaker, when you're blessed, when you're persecuted for righteousness sake, for his name's sake, he says, then you'll be very salty. You'll be, you'll be very bright. You will be the light of the world. You will have inevitable influence to those around you. Who doesn't want in on that? And then he goes on to say this, and like the, 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 the thesis statement of the sermon, in verse 20, he says, I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And, why, and we talked about this, but if you're new, I just won't, don't want you to miss this, that, that for him to say that would have been a really radical statement because the Pharisees were the most religious people. They had the, the best lives in terms of, it seemed, devotion to God, and they always prayed, and they kept, they even made up extra rules to keep just to show like how you know, devoted they were to God, and yet their heart was very far from God. They fulfilled the letter of the law, but not the spirit of the law. So that's why Jesus says, hey, you've heard it said, but I say to you. You've heard it said, but I say to you. You've heard it said, do not murder. I'm telling you, don't be angry. You've heard it said, do not commit adultery. I'm telling you, don't even look at a woman lustfully in your heart. And now he goes on and he says, you've heard that it was also said Whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. The first encouragement I want to give us this morning, and this is not simply for the married people, although it's certainly for the married people, but for anyone who desires marriage and singles and even to know how to pray. Like, never think, like, when, like on Mother's Day, that, like, men don't need to pay attention, you know? If you care about your neighbor, if you care about people, it's like all ears all the time, right? But this first encouragement to let unending faithfulness be the goal of your marriage. This is, this is God's plan for us. This is what he wants for us. And so what Jesus is doing, he's, he's commenting on a, 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 a passage from the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 24, where it says that, that 
that men could uh, give their wife a certificate of divorce for anything indecent in her because he has found some indecency in her. And in the context of the law, it seems that this is referring to the holiness code about uh, sexual purity and, and within a marriage and, and, and any sexual immorality, sexual activity outside of that marriage relationship. It, it does something fundamental to that covenant commitment. And, and, and he's saying, this is, this is a reason, this is a reason that maybe someone, maybe, Give his wife a certificate of divorce. And yet, just like today, okay, just like today, this was a highly and hotly debated topic. Very debated in the church, even today, 2018. And I want you to know, and for those of you that know me, you know when, I mean, for those of you that know me, hopefully this is all coming from a heart of love, a heart of sensitivity and compassion. I mean, I stand before you today as not someone who has a perfect marriage. I stand before you today as someone who's not beyond the things that we see in Scripture. I stand before you today as someone who has not just one, not just two. I mean, many, many people in my family. Not just friends, family. My, my family. And so I want you to know that everything I say is said in love and just with an attempt to be faithful to what God has said. And so I acknowledge that this is a sensitive topic, even perhaps for some of you it, it conjures up difficult memories of difficult times in your life, no matter how far back those memories stretch. And I just want to say that you're in an environment and you're in a, in a place that understands God is a God of love. He is a God of mercy. He is a God of forgiveness. He is a God of grace. He is a God of restoration. He is a God of reconciliation. Thank you. And so what was going on here is Jesus is, he's trying to help them understand what the law was really getting at. God's heart on the matter. You see, there were two schools of thought in Judaism. One was the Hillel school that just was like super lenient in their view. And so it's basically when they, they interpret this, this phrase, because he has found some indecency in her, it's basically like whatever gets on your nerves. I'm serious. If you, if you go read the, the Midrash and the commentary on the law, and, and what you would find is that there were even divorce cases because of the way a woman cooked. I mean, I'm just, I'm just not playing. Like burning the food, like a transgression to like say, like, hey, here's the certificate of divorce. I'm going to go find a woman that can cook, you know? It's like, hey, and can, men, can we just cook a little more these days? I just, I don't know about you, but, um, I mean, I'm working on my skills. Hey, if you need some skills, see Pastor Reddy. He's the pastor uh, to see men, young men. If you just want to grow in your skills, go see Pastor Reddy. He got a, he got a red sauce, you know, that marinade. Like, his name is John Reddy, so you just, like, go to him. When you need that red sauce on a valent V-Day, you know what I'm saying? 
Anyway, that's a sidebar. But uh, so, so they said like anything, halal school, any reason, any indecency. And then there was the Shammai school that said, no, 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 no. It's only in, in instances of, of sexual infidelity that you could divorce your wife. And so it seems here that, that Jesus is, is siding with the Shammai school, and yet he's accelerating. He's amplifying it. He, he's showing the seriousness of divorce. And what I want to say here this morning, even if like I'm not naive enough to think that there aren't some marriages that may be going through some difficult times. The rock won't move. The rock won't move. But what we need to realize from the scriptures here is that in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, divorce is never, I repeat, never, I repeat, never commanded. It is allowed. It's not commanded, it's allowed. And so the heart of God, who in Malachi 2, it says God hates divorce. He hates it. He doesn't ever want to see it happen. It wasn't his plan. It wasn't his original design. It wasn't his intention for us. And I think if we were having honest conversations with people who have walked down that road, or maybe you've walked down that road with a friend, then you know that deep down, they hate it too. They just, they hate it too. The destructive nature of of what's going on and that relationship and, and everything that comes with that. But Jesus then goes on and, and, he, and he shows us how serious it is because he says, if, if anyone gives his wife a certificate of divorce except on the grounds of, of adultery, he makes her commit adultery and whoever marries a divorced woman also makes her commit adultery. And you say, like, what, what is that, Jesus? Like, that seems unfair to the woman. Like, how would the woman be guilty of adultery if... The, the man has given her an illegitimate certificate of divorce. And here's the answer. It's not her fault. It's his fault. His fault. Because he has given her an illegitimate certificate of divorce that is not legitimate in the sight of God who made them to be one forever until they die. And so, in God's sight, that union is not broken. So that's why, if she were to remarry, in God's sight, it's adultery. Because of the illegitimacy of the certificate of divorce. Do you understand that? Does that make sense? And whoever then compounds, marries a divorce, like he makes her commit adultery? And so there are four views there are, there are four views, like in kind of, if you want to call it like evangelical, like church culture, like Bible-believing, gospel-centered, Jesus-loving churches. Four views, and I have them here on the screen. Number one, there's a, there's a view, and let's not just like say, oh, yeah, not that. No divorce, and that should say, oh, that's an old slide, so let me just give it to you, and you write these down. Sorry, I probably messed up the AV team. There. All right, so, so no divorce and no remarriage. Okay, that's view number one. No divorce, no remarriage. And this is based on what uh, some scholars take as the betrothal view. Betrothal in Jewish culture was like engagement. 
And so if there was fornication, if there was a sex outside of that relationship, pre-marriage, then they say that was giving grounds for a man to give his engaged fiance, we would call a certificate of divorce. This is what's going on. Can you believe it? This is what's going on in the birth of Jesus Christ. You remember this story, like the Christmas story. The angel comes to Mary. You will conceive, be conceived by the Holy Spirit, and you will, you will conceive a son. His name shall be called Jesus. Well, conception by the Holy Spirit just doesn't happen every day, right? So Joseph is over here, and he sees this baby bump, and he's like, Mary, what's going on? Angel, Holy Spirit, I've been faithful to you. Can we blame Joseph for not being able to compute that? Like, what on earth? Like, she's lying to me. And he was considering, Matthew chapter 1 says he was considering putting her away quietly, a respectful man, an honorable man, didn't want to dishonor her. And yet he's like, he's torn because in Jewish culture, he would have been just ostracized and, and not believed. And, and then an angel shows up to him. And it's true. It's true. But they were betrothed. You see how this works. And so for some scholars, they think like Jesus is talking about this betrothal time. And so he's not even talking about after people are officially wed and married. And so that's why some would conclude no, no divorce, no remarriage. But then others would then say, well, there is uh, room for divorce based on a more literal reading here, just a straightforward reading of what Jesus says, except on the grounds of sexual immorality, that this would be a cause for a just and legitimate divorce, but for the divorced person, uh, remarriage is not permissible. And I don't have time to get into all of the, the arguments why, but uh, they are to be wrestled with. They are to be thought through because of various texts in the Gospels as well as 1 Corinthians 7 and other places. But sin number three, the third view is divorce and remarriage, both permissible for adultery and abandonment, okay? Divorce and remarriage, both permissible for adultery and abandonment. Adultery, sexual unfaithfulness in, in the marriage, and then abandonment is what uh, Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians 7 where he's saying um, if, if, a, if, if a woman or a man marries an unbeliever and that their spouse deserts them, abandons them, he goes on and he says in verse 15, but if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved, not bound. God has called you to peace. And so it seems to me, it seems to me based on what Jesus is saying here, a straightforward reading of the text. And I have to say, like, even as, even as pastors of Redemption Hill, like, we're, we're locked in, statement of faith, and, you know, there, there is so much unity and, and uniformity in, in our belief system. But, but even in some of the nuances of this conversation, John and I, we studied the same school, and, you know, there may, there may be maybe nuances in how we understand certain passages. I'm just, I'm just pointing that out as an example, not to say I'm right, he's right. I'm just saying we need to give charity to one another. Like, we can be part of the same church even if we have different views on this topic, okay? But it seems to me that, 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 that option three, I didn't give four. Let me give four. Divorce and remarriage for a variety of circumstances, okay? Divorce and remarriage for a variety of circumstances beyond adultery and abandonment. 
but I would, take, I would take position three. I would take view three. I would take view three because of the straightforward reading of Matthew 5, 32. Everyone who divorces his wife except on the ground of sexual immorality makes her commit adultery. And so it seems that Jesus is giving room as he will go on, what we're going to read in just a moment in Matthew 19, because of the hardness of heart. This is why Moses permitted a certificate of divorce, but it wasn't part of God's original design. But it is, it's not commanded, but it's allowable. It's allowable. And therefore, my view of remarriage is that on any legitimate, legitimate, not just illegitimate anything, burnt toast, no, um, that then remarriage would be permissible also. And I know you may be like, there's so many questions, and I, we just don't have time for me to cover every question that you may be asking, but adultery, abandonment, Tanner, what about abuse? Like, what about abuse? And uh, you know what? The Bible never speaks directly to abuse. It never gives abuse as a, hey, chapter and verse, like, if, if you're in an abusive relationship, either way, that's grounds for divorce. You say, well, Tanner, what would you do that? I would say that anyone's abusing their wife and does not repent and come back to God, I'm saying, I don't think that guy knows Jesus. It would be, it would be similar to a case of, of desertion or abandonment, more than likely. And so, why is this so serious? And we really need to wrestle with it. Why is this so serious? Why, why are we talking about divorce and marriage and remarriage. Why is this so serious? It is because of God's heart on the matter, okay? God's heart. God is the one who came up with the idea of marriage. If he designed it, then he gets to define it. And so what happens, what happens is that um, we, we, we come to a relationship with either a covenant mentality or a consumer mentality, okay? A covenant mentality or a consumer mentality. A covenant, what is, what is covenant? Covenant refers to a relationship bonded together by God through mutual promises, okay? Covenant is a relationship bonded together by God through mutual promises. And so a consumer mentality into a relationship, singles listen up, dating couples listen up, engaged couples listen up, married couples listen up, okay? It's a consumer mentality that says, hey, what's in it for me? What can I get out of this relationship? How can you serve me? How can you give me what I want? But a covenant mentality is, is looking at the other person and saying, what can I bring you? How can I serve you? How can I love you? How can I lay my life down? We sing at the cross, at the cross. This, this love flowed down. Covenant is love through sacrifice. Sacrifice. Give me this other mic. I'm tired of this thing going out on me. Here we go. Thanks, Jacob. All right. Coming. There we go. Nice job, Jacob. Thank you. And so, like, when I stood before Marsha on July 22nd of 2006, 
your boy wrote his own vows. Come on now. Be proud of your pastor, all right? Believing God in his perfect providence has brought us together for his purposes. You want to come down here? I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I, Tanner, take you, Marcia, as God's good gift to me to be my wife. Here the name. I want to read this whole thing, but just. I covenant with you this day. Covenant. I covenant with you this day to promote your sanctification through speaking the word over you, employing spiritual graces, and pursuing excellence in ministry and our partnership for the gospel. That's what God was leading us to clearly. I further resolve to lovingly lead you as Christ the church by honoring and cherishing you, protecting and providing for you, sacrificing and seeking your good all the days of my life. I pledge to nurture our friendship, to live with you in gentleness and understanding, and to satisfy your every desire as God supplies. Don't cry, Marcia, and people here. Uh, in the sight of God, cry if you need to. In the sight of God in this assembly, I join with you as one to display the mystery of Christ and his church and pray for his grace to keep these vows until Christ returns or we see his face to the glory of God. You know, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Covenant is built on promises of sacrificial love. And so I have to say this. What's more important was not the words that I said on July 22nd, 2006 but how I love her today. How I love her today. Covenant mentality. Tim Keller in his book, Meaning of Marriage, he says this, a wedding should not be primarily a celebration of how loving you feel now. That can be safely assumed. Rather, in a wedding, you stand up before God, your family, and all the main institutions of society, and you promise to be loving faithful, and true to the other person in the future, regardless of undulating internal feelings or external circumstances. So marriage is built on covenant, giving ourselves away, being faithful day by day by day by day, even when we don't feel like it, even when things aren't great. Even when you've wronged one another, even when the relationship is rocky, we cling to the rock who won't move. God helps us through to continue loving one another and holding fast to the promises that we made to one another. Because listen, God said, let man and woman be joined together. Let them leave their mother and father, and let them cleave or cling to. It's like it's to be cemented or glued together in this oneness. And so marriage is about exercising unending faithfulness day by day by day by day. And divorce is so serious because of the destructive effects that come when there's not that unending faithfulness. I mean, just think about, just think about 
why are there so many children in the foster care system? Why are there so many children that need to be adopted? It's because there wasn't a covenant commitment on the front end or there wasn't a covenant commitment that was kept on the back end. And so the destructive effects. And then we, we thank God for men and women, for married couples and singles who say, hey, I'll put my faithfulness on the table. I'll love that kid day after day after day after day after day after day when it's really hard. Let unending faithfulness be the goal of your marriage. And then number two, and I've got to make this quick. Let faithfulness characterize all our relationships. All our relationships. Jesus goes on to say, hey, look, again, you've heard it said, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say, do not take an oath at all. See, what was going on here is this, that people in the, in, the, in, in the Jewish leaders, they were making up these complex rules and systems that would say, hey, if you, if you um, are really serious about what you say, then you can just kind of throw an oath on it. You know, just like, I, I swear, I'm like, I'm telling you the truth. I swear by heaven. Oh, I swear, I, I swear by, by earth. I swear by Jerusalem. I swear by my own head, my own life. But what they would do is like the further away the oath was from God himself gave them more and more room to actually not keep their word. So it was a way of actually working deceit and lies into relationship without an intention to actually keep their word and do what they said. And so, so Jesus just says, look, like even your whole thought process is off here. You're missing the heart of the law, which would say it's, it's about being truthful and faithful and reliable and whatever you say is good enough. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. You don't have to add anything on top of that. But even if you were to say, like, heaven, I swear by heaven, I swear by earth, I swear by Jerusalem. Uh, Jesus is saying, like, in everything, God is in it. God is behind it. Heaven belongs to God. He made it. The earth is his footstool. Jerusalem is, is his city. Who made your head? Who can turn one hair white or black? God, God, God. You can't swear by anything without bringing God into the equation. So keep your mouth shut. Keep your mouth, and just let your yes be yes and your no be no. I think back to stories of my dad with my grandfather who, uh, wow, his, uh, his father died when he was like nine. And he was the oldest brother, my, my papa. That's what you call grandparents in Kentucky, all right, just in case you didn't know. And so my papa, uh, at the age of, 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 of like 9, 10, and 11, started working in the fields and bringing in money to help support his mother and his siblings. And so he never, he never had a formal education. Very brilliant man, very wise man, very successful man. And, but, but, but in his day, and because of his character, like he would go, we don't have tractors in Medford, but, like, he would go and, and he would, like, put down a down payment on a, on, a, on a tractor. And you know what would happen? They would just shake on the rest. They would just shake on the rest. And you know what, you know what Jesus is saying here? He's saying your word is better than your handshake. You don't even need to pinky promise here, okay? It's just like your yes is yes. That's how faithful we are called 
to be. And so in all of your relationships, in all of your conversations, in all of your words, yes, in that most important relationship between a husband and a wife, but also in every relationship, in every friendship, in every dealing with any person under the sun, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Let your word be good enough. And, and why is this? Why is this? It's as we said in the beginning. God's faithfulness as, is, is as sure as the dawn. So we need to be faithful because of God's faithfulness in the gospel. I want to read two passages and then I'm going to pray. But I just want to show you how, how deep this is. How deep it is. Ephesians chapter 5. Paul is talking about marriage, and he has instructions to wives and instructions to husbands. And then just like Jesus in Matthew 19, go read it. We didn't have time this morning. He grounds what he's saying in God's creation ordinance, God's creative design, his plan for, for men and women and marriage to become one flesh. And so in Ephesians 5, starting in verse 31, he quotes Genesis 2, and he says, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And then he says this. He says this about marriage. This mystery is profound. And I am saying it refers to Christ and the church. Every human is made to tell the better story of the gospel. That there is a God who loves us and who wants to enjoy an unending, unbroken relationship with us. And so the union between a man and a woman, two people becoming one, is a picture of any person's opportunity to become united with God forever. And so that's what I'm just saying to you today. Like, if you've never been united to God, like, if you've never gotten a relationship with him worked out, if you've lived your life for yourself, and the Bible calls that sin, and sin separates us from God, then what we need is to admit our need to God and say, God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me, and I want to have this relationship with you. Marriage tells a better story. Let your faithfulness reflect the faithfulness of God. But then on top of that, on top of that, Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And this seems lighter, but it is, but it isn't. It's just because our word is our word in the marriage and any relationship. And so he's writing to the Corinthians, and there are these other people who didn't care about the apostle Paul. In fact, they were out to, to get him and to speak against him. And so... They were saying, Paul, like he says he wants to come to see you, but he doesn't really want to keep, see you. He's changing his plans. He doesn't mean what he says. And so Paul defends himself, and he says this in verse 15. Because I was sure of this, I wanted to come to you at first so that you might have a second experience of grace. I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia and to come back to you from Macedonia and have you send me on my way to Judea. Was I vacillating when I wanted to do this? Do I make my plans according to the flesh? Ready to say yes, yes, and no, no at the same time. Talking out of both sides of my mouth, not meaning what I say. 
And then he says this, based on the character of God and the work of Jesus Christ, as surely as God is faithful, our word to you has not been yes and no, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, Silvanus and Timothy and I, was not yes and no, but in him. It is always yes. Always yes. But the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why we utter our amen, our yes, back to God. Because of God's faithfulness in Jesus Christ, we pray and pray and pray and persevere, and seek restoration, and forgiveness, and reconciliation in God's heart for this covenant relationship in our marriages to let our yes be yes. But even when it comes to our calendar on our iPhones, when we say we're going to show up, we show up. Because our yes is yes. God has sent his yes in Jesus Christ, fulfilling all of his promises. So how could we not, in light of who he is, make good on our promises and our yes as well? And so I want to invite the music team to come up. And we're going to sing and we're going to worship. But I just know, I just know that today may be a day when you just need to pray. And you just need to say, God, help me. Help me in my current situation. Help me sort through all of the, 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 all of my past, all of the things that have gone on in my life. Help me in my marriage today. Help me in my relationships in the future. However God is leading you to pray, even now, we talked about open hands. We talked about hearts that are humble before God. And so I just want to pray that, that God would in this time, like, not just allow us to, like, hear these words and not do anything. But he would lead us to take steps, to say yes to him and to say yes to others, to be faithful as he is faithful to us. Oh, God, would you, would you make us faithful as you are faithful? God, we need your grace to do it, Lord. We, we, we can't do it in our own strength, Lord. We, we need you to, to strengthen us, to help us to, in all of our relationship. God, I pray for every marriage today, God. I pray for the ones that are thriving and the ones that are not thriving. I pray for the rockiest relationship, the marriage relationship in, in our church. God, that, that you would bring restoration. You would bring faithfulness. And so, God, may we lay our lives down before you in such a way, in light of the covenant that you've made to us, that we would say, I will be faithful. I will keep saying yes, even when it hurts, even when it's hard. God, help us in all of our relationships, all of our relationships, to let our yes be yes, to be faithful so that others could see the faithfulness of God in you. And so, Father, in these moments, would you speak to us? Would you show us the steps that we can take to reflect who you are? God, even for those that may be here today and they're like, I've never said yes to God. I've never said yes to Jesus and what he's done for me. Like today may, may today be the day of yes for them. God, lead us, lead us, lead us to say yes to you, to say yes to one another, to be faithful as you are.